0: Welcome to Behavior Babes podcast presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. When we're talking about vocational skills, we need to be looking at social significant behaviors, meaning, what does the client hope to learn and where do they want to work? We can start by asking the client. We will also use assessments that are tailored to the learner and to the specific setting in which we are assessing. Are we talking about an assembly line? Are we talking about customer service? Are we talking about stuff that's more in an office? Those things will matter and will uh, influence the questions that we ask in our assessment tool. There is a roadmap for life after high school for students with disabilities and their families. And this comes from a quick book of transition assessments, which talks about a complete transition interview, establishing who's responsible on the team for teaching which part, um, determining the basic standards of testing and how we're going to assess this over time, begin and to discuss and develop the awareness for a long range of transition goals, and enroll the student with the parent involvement into the appropriate high school, um, introduce the, the family to the resource guide for people with disabilities, develop an awareness of adaptive sports, um, link up with the Disability Service Center. Those are kinds of things that you'd be looking to assess and to have in mind when you're looking at educational, like post-secondary education, as well as um, vocational training and supports that might happen um, beyond uh I would say your traditional high school curriculum so this process can start as early as seventh or eighth grade often i think the federal requirements is are age 14 but that might vary state to state and you're encouraged to take a look there Um, but we always want to whenever possible involve the client in the process and i think that that's actually always possible we just have to get creative with how we're gonna do that. Are we going to ask interviews and do um, a face-to-face you know, kind of exchange? Are we gonna have a questionnaire? Are we gonna use Venn diagrams? Are we gonna use rating scales, preference assessments? There are lots of different ways in which we can include the student. So did they take part in the IEP? If not, did they take steps, did we take steps to make sure they were involved in other parts? Are the students' interests embedded in the annual goals and objectives? And when we are looking at vocational or career-related targets, was an assessment complete? These are some of the components in a transition assessment checklist that you would be looking to make sure um, were covered. And so you can get this information um, state-by-state or just by searching online. What we're looking to assess here are functional skills, adaptive skills, career interests, awareness, um, physical mobility needs, behavior across multiple settings with multiple people, Uh, what are some leisure and social skills that are the soft skills that are talked about, communication, medical and health-related skills, um, self-determination, and any special skills or interests that we could hone in on are always things to consider. There are critical components to person-centered planning, which include focusing on and being driven by the student's strengths. Let's focus on the capabilities and the opportunities and to help develop a vision for the future for this learner. We wanna have a process that's flexible and dynamic and informal, uh, but it's gonna require collaborative teamwork with a lot of commitment to action and as stated by flannery and colleagues in 1994 it's going to require an effective facilitator sometimes this is a job coach sometimes this is a coordinator or a vocational um, assistant you want to teach and expand those social interaction skills some of those soft skills you know how do you have small talk how do you greet somebody how do you just sort of bide your time while we're waiting for things at the printer You also want to identify um, access to other reinforcers. So um, how can we embed those interests? If a learner really enjoys knowing locations and maps, then can we have them do something where they're working in the bus station or in the train station or where they are uh, at an information booth in a way where they are constantly accessing their preferred item or reinforcer, while also essentially performing a, a, a function for others and for meeting a need in the workplace. We wanna consider activities that increase social interactions, especially for learners who, um, who really strive at that, who thrive in those situations, How can we build that up? How can we make that more a situation where they're more comfortable, where they can become individuals who thrive in those situations as they grow older and move into vocational and workplace settings? Because that's how we're going to develop skills. A lot of what we develop is through play, through practice, through experience. So we may need to contrive that situation for learners when we are trying to program for vocational opportunities for them. We will have to adapt our assessment and materials to the client, meaning that we may use visual supports versus written supports, or conversely, maybe we use a checklist versus a visual icons, depending on your learner's preferences. It's highly recommended that you start by listing out your current skills and strengths of the learner because we already know a lot of where they struggle. That's kind of more obvious to people or is more apparent in the history of reports. But what we really wanna kind of identify is what are those success? What are the current skills? What are the strengths? What are the interests? Where's the motivation? And then we'll wanna identify the skills that are needed to achieve those goals kind of bridging the gap from what exists to where the learner wants to be and where we really think that they can get to, you know? We will definitely find more success when you match job tasks to the strengths and interests of your learner. Think about your first job. Um, uh, for me, I know I was working at an arcade. That worked out great because I didn't mind playing games or hanging around people who are about my age ish, maybe a little bit younger, um, where the kind of you might go to be at the mall when you didn't want to be with your parents. It's a fine place to earn a little bit of extra cash. I did not necessarily enjoy um, working, you know, kind of in an office behind the desk, doing a lot of filing and photocopying. So match job tasks to the strengths and interests of your learner. If somebody wants to be a future architect, you know, or if they're building a lot with Legos, let's talk about that. Like what skills are needed to do that? Um, you got to learn how to do things on a blueprint. You got to learn, um, algebra. You want to make sure that you understand geometry, you know, Um, There are some vocational settings where we are seeing um, companies gravitate towards hiring specifically individuals who have autism spectrum diagnoses or who have other um, uh, what would have been perceived as challenges before but maybe are perceived as strengths if there's an ability to hyper focus. Um, Regardless, you want to make sure that you are mapping out short-term and long-term goals for this individual and that you're helping them pursue further educational opportunities if needed. Um, identify what state and community or federal support is available, what funds are there, what the um, reimbursement rates are, whether or not they're uh, the individual is eligible for gainful full-time employment, um, and so having that information will really equip you well. In order to see our learners succeed or to see individuals succeed in these situations, maybe we're just talking about your teenage son or daughter, but you really want to think about teaching social awareness of norms, right? Teaching awareness of social norms, self-care and independent functioning. We need to see that in our sons and daughters before they go off to college or before they go off into a workplace setting. Um we really do want to consider the social well-being and teach leisure leisure skills as well. Like teach things that hobbies that individuals enjoy doing in their downtime. Maybe you want to pull out your phone, maybe you want to play a quick game of Candy Crush. Um maybe you want to, you know, um jot down a little note, maybe you want to draw a picture, maybe you want to write a song, but whatever it is, you have that way that space filler and we want to make sure that um, individuals who are in vocational settings have ways to do that because we know that there is space to be filled. Um, so we want to teach again, pivotal skills such as cooking, reading, driving, because that's going to open up, uh, Opportunities for anybody, right? So if I can cook, then I can work in a lot of different situations or I can uh, have access to a lot of different scenarios. If I can read, then I can give instructions, I can follow a recipe, I can um, navigate people, I can tell a story, I can do a lot of different things. Um, it's really important, and I think it's helpful to encourage volunteer opportunities to get practice giving back to the community, doing something for free prior to a vocational situation. Um, and it gives a practice opportunity that's more than just contrived, um, but isn't quite the high stakes of having a official job. It gives us the opportunity to develop skills with our learners that will help them secure a job. Um, and also, in keeping their job as well, and this can be done by breaking down complex tasks, offering repeated opportunities for practice, um, measuring our uh, interventions to see that they're effective, treating challenging behaviors or behaviors of you know skill deficits in the context in which they occur. so if a learner has difficulty purchasing an item at the grocery store, but they can do it in a discrete trial situation, uh, consider assessing and intervening in the grocery store versus in a more contrived discrete trial situation. Teach the importance of learning to be on time for work and maintaining social appointments. Um, It allows time for transitions, for distractions, and for individuals to get comfortable in new settings. you want to make sure that you arrange the environment so that the prompts are there if need be. Same thing for yourself on a workday. If you have a phone call to make, you might want to have that post-it note uh, at the top of your corner of your laptop there or... You might want to have um, uh, something that indicates like don't look at your phone during work hours or some other kind of environmental prompt or stimuli that doesn't require your boss or your colleague or your coworker or a job coach coming over to critique you. Our goal is to help clients achieve meaningful and gainful employment to give them access to money so that they can, you know, learn to budget their money and access things in the world that they want to access or and that they need to pay for, um, and we also really need to be teaching our our clients and these individuals the ability to self-advocate because the goal of these services and supports is to teach the skill deficits to reduce any behavioral excesses and to uh, fade out the supports so that the behaviors come under control of the natural environment and the naturally occurring reinforcers so Teaching self-advocacy allows a learner to navigate situations and gives them a formula for problem-solving situations that we didn't explicitly teach, essentially generalizing the skills. Uh, For more information on this topic and other topics related to applied behavior analysis, check me out at www.behaviorbabe.com.